0: Scientists are given to understatement. In their paper describing the double helix structure of DNA, published in Nature in 1953, James Watson and Francis Crick mildly declared, this structure has novel features which are of considerable biological interest. Sir Alexander Fleming even had less to say about one of the great medical discoveries of the 20th century, penicillin. Fleming, who won the Nobel Prize in 1945 for his work, noted about the nature of research, one sometimes finds what one is not looking for. And on November 30th, 2022, in a tweet that afternoon, at Sam A. wrote, Today we launched ChatGPT. Try talking to it here. In a brief thread, Sam Sam Altman predicted Language interfaces are going to be a big deal, I think. Talk to the computer, voice or text, and get what you want for increasingly complex definitions of want. Well, going to be a big deal? Oh yeah, definitely. The large language models that are fundamental to generative AI solutions, including ChatGPT from OpenAI rely on machine-readable content available on the web as books, scholarly journals, or other curated publications. And much of that is protected by copyright. Already, licensing programs are emerging to allow such uses of copyrighted content. In the meantime, publishers, academics, and researchers are recognizing and responding to the opportunities that AI presents to them. These communities all share concerns that machine-enabled solutions must incorporate essential human rights to equity and security, authorship, and authenticity. My name is Chris Keneally. I'm with Copyright Clearance Center, CCC. I'm very happy to welcome you today to this discussion, and I'm very happy to share this platform with a panel of experts who are going to share their insights on on these issues. I have a wonderful panel, and I want to... uh, uh, Briefly introduce them now. Uh, immediately to my right is Carlos Colo Labazzari. Carlo, welcome. Thank you. He's an internationally recognized specialist in intellectual property law and policy with 20 years of experience working in Africa, Europe, and the US. He's the author of a short paper, a snapshot of the relationship between AI, copyright, and licensing, which is available uh, today at, at, at this event. Uh, To Carlos right is Dr. Namrata Singh. Dr. Namrata, welcome. Thank you. Dr. Namrata is founder and director at Turakaz Group, a medical communications company working with pharmaceutical, biotech, medical device, and diagnostic firms, as well as academic institutions to support research and publications globally. Uh, Dr. Namrata is a pediatrician and a founding member of the AI Working Group at the European Medical Writers Association. And on the far end, uh, to my right, is uh, Dr. Hong Zhu. Dr. Hong Zhu, welcome. Dr. Hong Zhu is Director of Intelligence Services and Head of AI R&D for John Wiley & Sons and leads the Intelligence Services Group in Wiley Partner Solutions. Uh, Dr. Zhu holds a PhD in 3D Modeling with Artificial Intelligence Algorithms, and he's a chef and contributor to the Scholarly Kitchen blog published by the Society for Scholarly Publishing. And I think, Dr. Zhu, it's important to to start with you and to learn more about the publisher's perspective here and how these tools are going to become part of your workflow. And tell us about the role that AI solutions will play in, in this intended evolution at Wiley from being a content provider to being a knowledge provider. Sure.
1: That's a... Can you hear me? Okay, good. Yeah, that's a good question. So basically... Why is the shift from the content provider to no, uh, knowledge provider, so we start thinking about the we talk about the uh, when we talk about knowledge, so what mean knowledge so the people the consume or digest or the, absorb the knowledge and understand apply knowledge and the knowledge is distributed to the people so there's a clearly three key elements people knowledge, and the, how you interact distributed understand. So we apply the AI to you know to support in this uh, three to support these three key elements. For example, the uh, knowledge. When we talk about knowledge, first we need to create knowledge. How we need, you know, the we we apply the AI to automatically extract this uh, key metadata and to, to present the knowledge in the you know the user for the human friendly human readable or machine and machine readable. And also we extract the knowledge, the hidden knowledge, the valuable, you know, concepts, entities and relationship between the entities from this unstructured text content. So this is a knowledge creation. And then in order to better to serve the people, we need to understand who they are and what their interests so that we can you know, distribute the relevant the articles and the knowledge to them, to human. So we apply the AI to understand, to help the, the, our publisher our partners to better understand who their audience, what they want, what's their interest, what's their expertise. So we can you know the make sure we can make the person more personalized the you know the information distribution to them. And the, the, lastly, we also want to, you know, the how to how can we the help the researchers, users to discover Discover this uh, knowledge because today is the over, information overloading. is is too much to, to read. So we need you know to apply the AI to simplify it to generate a summarization to help. And uh, the for example the our the Wiley have the you know the uh, partner solution have the you know the research you know exchange submission. So we automatically extract the metadata to make this, the submission work. Mm-hmm. It's much easier. And also we have the Literatum, the largest the digital publishing platform for the content, for scholarly content in the world. And then we can enable and make the, all this the knowledge is searchable and readable over the internet. So this is, a, and also we, we also the validate the knowledge because this is very important integrity. Is, as a publisher, it's a key responsibility to make sure this published you know, the knowledge in the good quality. Good standard, so we also apply AI to detect the paper mails, image manipulations, etc.
0: Right, and, and it seems to me that in order to understand uh, the, 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 where publishing will be going using these AI tools, it, it's important to understand how people are using them. And it sounds to me like it's changing the relationship to two relationships really: the relationship of the, the researcher to the content, but it's also changing the relationship of the researcher,
1: the authors, to the publisher. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So this is a change the whole the, the research the experienced with this content, especially in the generative AI. So now, for example, normally we consider the uh, four main roles of the researchers, right? authors, researchers, and also editor and the reviewers. This is normally the, the you know the roles. And then the, all this AI. So actually, this is not only the content, but also the AI-powered the solutions to change these this, uh, people, this roles experience. For example, for author, you know, the AI, generative AI now, you can u- use to the polish, you know, the, and help them to the draft, the manuscript, and the polish, the, you know, the writing, to increase the writing qualities, et cetera. Especially useful for the whose n- native language is not English. So this is actually, this is the most the popular generative AI application in the world now. And for the researchers, we can apply the AI to to identify the ways how to improve the manuscript, and the and also the, for the for the reviewers, yeah, identify the you know the ways to improve the reviewers and the quality, and also is and then help the reviewers to quickly see oh, there's any support or contradicting you know the literature in this, and also for editor, we can apply the AI tools identify you know the the is any the relevant reviewers you can review this and identifies any emerging you know, the journal opportunities, new opportunities. For researchers, lastly, I believe you know, the, the AI will be the every researcher in the future will have the, you know, the personal research assistant to help them, you know, not only the discover information, you know, the think, apply the information and remember this information, knowledge. But also they can, this AI, especially the AI agent, they can help them to you know, the plan and the execute and analysis the exp- experiment. So the definitely the, you know, this definitely speed up the research outcome.
0: And, and as, as the content grows, I mean, content is going to grow because for a lot of reasons, there are going to be more authors who are unable to submit to the journals, but also AI content is going to be part of the growth as well. What kind of concerns does that raise for you at Wiley around copyright issues and, and, and the copyrighted content? And I associate the copyrighted content with quality content because it's content that's been curated, peer-reviewed, and, and, and there's an element of trust that's part of it.
1: Yes, indeed. So, so, so now the current status situation is you know, the AI governance is far behind the AI you know, the capabilities, which is dangerous. And then the it's very difficult. Actually, it impacts the you know the the research and also the publishing, because it's very hard you know the for the people to manage all these you know the this, uh AI capabilities. And then you know the so that's why you know the we need you know the create the legal framework, and to catch up these technologies to have the response. So. I do have the several concerns about this. So, first concern is everyone knows, is you know the and the copyright infringement. So, is uh, today the copy you know the AI generative AI they use you know the the generate the content, which you know the infringe on the you know the copyright without permission. So, this is a problem. This already is a lot of the suitcases you know the over the internet. Even worse, you know the recently the. Um, OpenAI and the Google, they release, you know, the web crawler to allow, the, you know, to automatically grab the information over the internet to, to train the model, to improve that model. Although, you know, they allow the users, the pub, uh, you know, website publisher to, you know, to disable, to block this. But I think, you know, as the AI's capability expands, the things become much more complicated. So this is one concern. Another concern actually is the uh, the ai can generate the content which you know it's, a, it's a similar to the you know the the original the content but it's not that uh, enough to be considered as you know the copyright infringement this is one scenario another scenario is you know it's it generates some content it's in, which infringes the copyright but it's hard to detect so in both cases for the um, for the copyright holders, it's very difficult for them to enforce the right in both cases.
0: Well, well Dr. Hongzhu with Wiley, thank you very much. And I want to turn to Dr. Namrata because you've got an interesting perspective. You're creating content and you're working with um, many of the uh, research institutions as well as the pharmaceutical companies and others who are going to be submitting content to journals and, and at, at, uh, at Wiley and elsewhere. So... As, as you do all of that work, what's your message for publishers about AI and content creation?
2: Um, I, I think uh, what has happened is, as you mentioned, when uh, ChatGPT was launched, and you know that was the honeymoon phase in the initial part where everybody was that you know it's going to make life easier for, uh, especially content creators but uh what i have you know seen and what i have realized in last say 8 to 10 months it has been it has put uh, an additional responsibility on the medical writers it's just not, you know, the reduction of the time, which is important here. It is not only the efficiency, which we have to focus on, but also the the checking, the all the legal aspects, the integrity part of it, um, the copyright, as you know, uh, we, we mentioned. So um, it's, it's not a very, um, as to say, it's not a very um, a magic bullet kind of solution, but it is something which is there. We cannot ignore it. And the publishers also will have to acknowledge. So I, I did come across, you know, some instances where uh, people spoke about uh, that if it is an AI generated content, then uh, should should it not be accepted or, you know, how do you differentiate? So I think that is where uh, more focus of the publishers should be that even if it is a AI generated content, is there a human being who was behind it and who kind of, you know, uh, approved it, reviewed it, checked the authenticity of that content. So the human part um, is going to be there. In fact, um, even if the efficiency becomes better, the responsibility is becoming higher. Yeah. Mm, mm. So, you know, so the balances and, and, and times to come and with the, all these you know developments happening and new technologies coming up it's going to get get more uh, tougher going forward so it's not something which is going to maybe make life very easy for the medical writers but it's going to be, you know, you have to wade through that uh, ocean of tools which are out there and um, how much and then the additional responsibility on you because uh, I've read about all these uh, class actions and, you know, lawsuits and the writers may, may, may come in the center of all this because they are the ones who created the content. And when you're doing it, when you're writing it or when you are, you know, working with your clients, sometimes you are pushed to do things which you've Feel that which is you know which you should not be doing so we are not the ones who own the content so that's an additional responsibility on us to educate the client to you know tell the especially you know the sponsors the pharmaceutical companies look it's not so simple if even if it's an ai tool so you are not going to get a paper in say hours out of it so there is going to be you know some human interactions behind it and similarly for the publishers also
0: yeah, well, I think that gets back to the point, Doctor Namrata, that, that Doctor Zhu was making about the importance of trusting content here, and the challenge with a lot of the generative to AI tools is the lack of transparency. Yes. Uh, the, the 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 lack of uh, identifying the sources, and and that must be really troubling for writers because they do, as you say, have this yes. real responsibility.
2: Yes. Yes. And uh, a lot of guidelines and recommendations did come up over the last uh, couple of months. So we had... Uh, ICMJE uh, guideline came up, which mentioned about the responsibility of uh, authors and an additional responsibility. So even if uh, and the disclaimers and the transparency, if we if you have used a AI tool, then you mention that in your method section. You mention the name of the tool, you mention the version if it is there or the whole technology part behind it. So this is where I guess the transparency works, but ultimately the responsibility is on the author and as we we write on behalf of the author then you know the responsibility comes back to us so but uh, guidelines and recommendations do help us uh, just to you know know that what is right and what is wrong and what what we can do and what we cannot do
0: Well, you know, I think what's coming through for me is just, you know, the the real responsibility, the sense of principle that is involved here. And I want to pull back a second and let people know about your background.
2: You're a pediatrician. I'm a pediatrician.
0: Right, so you have dealt with patients and you've worked with people who yeah. are at, at one of the most important parts of their lives. And, yeah. and many of the writers that you have are women particularly yes. trained in medicine yeah. who are you're trying to balance family and work and so forth. So yeah. this is this is deeply a part of what you do. It's not just the business part. Yeah. It's, a, it's your, it's your uh, professional yes. concern. Yeah,
2: so it is. And, uh, and another uh, concern here is... Um, We have uh, people working from various locations. And um, so the... the the technology part and the security part and the uh, and some somewhere the integration with the it and technology so all this is you know where everybody whether it's a small company or a large company i guess that's where everything has to converge we cannot have it in isolation we cannot have a tool and just you know ask the team to implement and start working on it so we do a small experiment on various tools but that is only for an experiment sake where we are not working on the client projects or confidential data on that. We uh, navigate these tools. We see what are the advantages, disadvantages, how much of time... Uh, it is reducing, or what is the productivity, and we have certain parameters which we evaluate on those, but that's, a, that's a completely a research activity which we are doing internally. And uh, there are very strict instructions to all the writers, and we have the whole uh, IT um, uh, kind of you know, infrastructure also, where they're not allowed to work on client projects yet.
0: But well, you know, I, I was a journalist in my previous life, and we always said, consider the source, And it sounds to me like that's equally important in your profession. Consider the source. Yeah,
2: and and there's one more uh, very, very important concern which is here. So the tools which are now, which are there, they have been trained on manually generated data till now. Mm -hmm. Now, what's going to happen in next couple of years? So maybe uh, more AI-generated content is coming, and then the training will be on those AI-generated content. And eventually... Maybe you know the quality of the content overall, because everything is connected. We are not working in silos here. We are connected to so many, you know, various stakeholders. So eventually, if we don't have these uh, uh, rules and regulations in place, then it might have a very serious impact on the research integrity itself. And, you know, then what papers we are getting afterwards, can we trust them? Do, do we, you know, can we quote them as uh, as our references? So that might happen.
0: Well, Dr. Namrata, thank you for raising those important points. And and I want to turn finally to Carla Lavazari. Carla, welcome again. And um, you have contributed uh, to CCC uh, what uh, I'll call a white paper here, a brief paper, on the snapshot of the relationship between artificial intelligence, copyright, and licensing. We have copies of this available for everyone here. And I guess I want to ask you a little bit, uh, because we, we, we assume a lot here when we hear about AI, and definitions are sometimes you know crucial to this. What do we mean by this AI or that AI? Um, which technologies particularly are using copyrighted materials as the inputs for their solutions?
3: Well, I mean, the, the, the models that have been catapulted in everyone's consciousness, and thanks for having me today, uh, are the large language models, the LLM, which is maybe one instance of a so-called foundation model, which is a broad general application AI uh, tool. And typically those are trained on be it structured or unstructured inputs of enormous proportions, some really fantastical numbers. Um, and are, are trained to be of a general application. They are then sometimes enhanced by what I would call specific libraries to make them more suited to perhaps medical writing or, um, you know, fire regulation of buildings in architecture or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then you sort of specialize the general foundation model into the area you're interested in.
0: All right. So, so what are the rights of copyright holders in relation to all of those uh, inputs and, and then to the outputs as well?
3: Yeah. So um, c- copyrights, I mean, there, there are two questions, the input side and the output side predominantly. Um, on the output side, I think it, it resolves along the line of similarity. Is the, are the works similar or is mm-hmm. there a new right that maybe creative people need to protect their style? But there's also freedom of expression that should put a limit to what you can protect. I mean, if you want to emulate a famous writing genre, it would be a pity if this was somehow inhibited by overprotecting this kind of uh, similarity of writing style. On the input side, definitely in order to make any valuable artificial intelligent tool, you will need entire reproductions of works that are scraped from the open Internet or they are procured through special um, purchases, I guess, licensing of uh, materials to use. I think in the previous panel we heard that open access um, titles are frequently used at Frontiers. is doing that with uh, Google. So um, those are the source materials. They will still need to be processed, normalized in some fashion because... um, In order for for the machines to work well, they do need either at the input sites structured data or then they need a, how shall I say, a calibration phase where whatever they learn from unstructured data is tested against labeled data. Hmm. Okay. I don't know if that answers. Uh, very helpful.
0: And you know, at Frankfurt Book Fair, it's a, it's a global event, but it's important to remind the audience that copyright is a national issue. Can you briefly tell us about some of the responses in various jurisdictions to these questions that have been raised? And they're very new questions, so not
3: everything is fully cooked at this point, but tell us where we're at. Absolutely. So uh, the, the, it's, it's quite spotty. That's the very short answer. So you have copyright law being territorial – So it applies in whatever country legislates, and there have been a few countries that have made specific rules or are in the process of doing so. In the EU, there are extensive uh, rules on so-called text and data mining, and text and data mining for non-commercial and commercial purposes. Text and data mining isn't identical to AI, but there is a significant overlap Mm -hmm. so that many people engaged in AI will at least deploy text and data mining as well. So there are exceptions and opt-out mechanisms that allow you in some circumstances to use text as input in the non-commercial sphere, especially, Um, even though software, for instance, isn't included there, only like literary works, let's say, articles, books. Mm. Um, On the commercial side, there is an opt-out possibility for materials available on the open Internet in the EU. So that's a very specific rule. In the meantime the EU is busy legislating a so-called AI Act and is addressing what was said earlier, the transparency requirement, especially for foundation and generative AI models. So the AI Act that is expected to go through, but who knows, in December, would ultimately include an obligation to disclose what copyright protected works, have been used to train these generative models. And I do think it is an important marker to force greater transparency into these models. China has gone, if I may add this also, has gone out of its way to create 15 principles, I think around the 15th of September. 18th. 18th of 18th. September. This has come into in another three days. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, and those are, are, they are principles, but they are pretty mandatory. And in as part of the principle is, in fact, transparency as to labeling of data. And... Also, what what data has and respect for intellectual property rights. Right, I, I, I've heard
0: people compare the AI Act uh, that's uh, in the in the European Parliament right now to to a kind of a GDPR for for AI. That if it were to come into
3: effect in the EU, it would have an influence globally. That 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 is predicted um, in the sense that any significant AI giant or, or business or in publishing. Mm-hmm. People really publish for the world, or these AI entities are developed for the world. So to ignore a segment of a four or five hundred million people in uh, in, in Europe is is going to be hard. Similarly, 1.3 billion people in China, it's going to be hard to ignore and say, "Ah, oh, we're just not going to deploy our our tools in those jurisdictions." I don't think many com- companies would consider that an option. And, and
0: as we've heard from from Dr. Zhu and Dr. Narada, there's going to be a great
3: demand uh,
0: not only to uh, uh, use the tools, but to have material to keep feeding the tools, and so that is a, a, a real challenge. What kinds of
3: licensing would meet that demand? Can you tell us? Yeah. So I, I think, as he was said earlier, I think there's an IBM sort of short video that you know says AI is big on productivity and on performance but it's it's low on 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 trust and um and and transparency so these licenses um can either be from segments of publishing perhaps that have large content that they can license or it could be a collective license where a agency such as ccc is used to deal into situations of linking many to many situations you have many writers, many publishers on the one side. You have many pieces of content on the other side used by different AI tools. So that is one mechanism, is collective licensing. I think the the it was said in a U.S. submission to the copyright office, the, the key of copyright is credit, attribution, consent, and compensation. And these type of licenses are well suited to handle Consent, credit, and compensation.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's one more point I'd like to ask you about, and, and maybe the others can can help us with this too. We talk about content all the time. I'm a writer, so I think content means words. But in scholarly publishing content means images, it means yes. data. It means all of these things. Is is that what we're talking about? All of that comes under the umbrella of copyright of course.
3: Well, I mean, a large segment thereof is in copyright material. So many, many images, photos, uh, illustrations in scientific articles are subject to copyright. There will also always be data that's not data, raw data that is not subject. In fact, the EU again has legislated in a Data Governance Act and has specifically excluded sensory data from any protection so when your fridge says to the supermarket in future you're out of milk that type of data is is not going to be suddenly engulfed in in this discussion about how to uh, relate uh, in copyright content to to the ai endeavor well please. i
1: i'm sorry maybe i can just add one more point please to build on this so I think the AI is now move from the more analytic AI to the generative AI, from the single modality to the multi modality. So AI and also the you know this uh, rich you know the research outcome like images, videos, and the text is uh, you know is a uh, correlated, positive correlated, because you know the and the AI can be used to generate this uh, rich you know the research output images. AI can be used generate videos, generate text, and uh, even the virtual reality in the future. But on the other hand, you know, the, this uh, rich you know, the research outcome can be used feedback to the AI to build an even better model. Mm-hmm. So this is a kind of the loop.
0: I'll leave with some advice. It's always important to use your own judgment and common sense and to verify information from multiple sources before making any important decisions or taking any actions. It's great advice, and you can take it. It came from ChatGPT, <laughs> all right? <laughs> I want to thank our panel, Attorney Carlos Scola Lavazari, Dr. Namrata Singh, founder and director of Turacos Group, and Dr. Hong Zhu, director of intelligence services and head of AI, r R&D for Wiley. Thank you all very much indeed. My name is Chris Guinelli. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much.